loss, we've all experienced it at some point in our life. Maybe it's a loss of a loved one, a loss of a job, or even a loss of a dream. How do we find hope within these hard times? Today, I'm so looking forward to interviewing Shannon Davison. She's a young mother of three young kids under the age of six. And two years ago, her life drastically changed in an instant when she received a call that her husband had been killed. We are going to hear about how she was able to find hope in the hurting. Let's hear her story. So two years ago, your life changes dramatically, but let's go back before um, two years ago. How old were you when you got married to Chase? I was, oh my gosh, I was 27. I had to think about that. <laughs> no, I was 26. <laughs> I was almost 27. Our, our anniversary is three years, three years, three days before my birthday. So I always Aww. like mix it up because I always think, anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, I get yeah. that. I get that. And how did you guys meet? What's your, what's your story on that? Um, so Chase and I knew each other for a very long time. We went to the same school growing up, um, but I was a year ahead of him in school, um, but it was a small Christian school, so we kind of know everybody. Um, but it wasn't until, I think it was like five or six years after graduation that we started talking. Um, it was one of those like, he came up as a friend person on Facebook and I was like, oh, I know Chase and requested him as a friend and we just started talking, messaging. And then it wasn't until later that I realized like he is not into the social media thing. It was a friend of his that like <laughs> created his account for him. So he like, it was so not him to like be on social media, but that was, that was sort of the, the beginning and the end. We just started talking and that was it. We just, yeah. Yeah. And how long after were you married? Um, from the time we started like chatting till marriage was uh, two years. Two years. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You had like good depth. And he's a dairy farmer? Yeah. Yeah. And was he already a dairy farmer? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a huge, that's a huge deal. Like it your is. life is revolving around that. Like you would have had to have a conversation of. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, it was farming has always been, it's like a generational thing in his family and it, it was in his blood. He was meant to be a farmer. Like, yeah, I remember even while Mary, there was a few times where I'm like, what if it isn't? He's like, it is like, there is, he never, he never doubted it. Whereas I'm like, is this right? Is this a purpose? Like I overthink everything, but he, yeah. he knew like, it was like, no, like God made me to farm. I'm a farmer. So, yeah. And what kind of farming? Dairy farming. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're up crack of dawn 24, like yeah. every day of the week. Yeah. Basically, you're on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're on. And then, um, so in that time you have three children, three littles, yeah. and then take us to two years ago leading up to it. How was your marriage? It was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, someone actually asked me that the other day. It was so funny. And I was like, oh, I'm so like, relieved that I can, I can say yeah. it was really wonderful. Um, so we were married. We had just celebrated our five-year anniversary. Um, 
at the time we had a four, four, three, and almost one year old. Is that right? Yeah. And, or almost three, four, almost three, and almost one. And um, yeah, we had actually just started uh, Freedom Session together. Well, not together, but at the same time. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Uh, and we, um, we had our first night and it was on the drive home uh, that we were chatting and we were like, wow, it's amazing because people, I mean, people go to Freedom Session for various re reasons. Um, but both of us were kind of hit by how many people were there because of uh, relationship <laughs> issues and marital problems or that kind of thing. And, and we both were like chatting about how amazing it was, how good our marriage seemed to be and how we're like, wow, we're, we're really doing pretty good, I think. <laughs> so it was like, we had this conversation and it was just like, it was very encouraging to kind of be like, yeah, we are, we're, we're all right. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing okay. Yeah. So that was on um, a Monday and then um, Wednesday evening, Chase went out. He went, um, he was driving towards Alberta and I was chatting with him on the phone and, um, and all of a sudden he yelled and, uh, and the phone went blank and um, I didn't know what to do at first. Um, I was messaging with my sister and she was like, well, don't worry. There's a lot of dead spots through that area. Like it, it could be anything. And I think I just, I knew something happened more than just a dead spot. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, I didn't, I didn't know for sure. Um, and thankfully we have um, an RCMP friend who, I, I called his parents and then was like, this is what happened. I don't know what to do. So they called the RCMP friend and um, it was a few hours later that she came over and told us. Um, so your friend that, came over. Yeah. And, okay. and told us there's been an accident. We're pretty sure it's Chase and he's not alive. And um, it was... <laughs> It's hard to um, even believe that that can happen. <laughs> like, um, it's Somebody not talking about it that time. You're just talking. You're just talking, keeping yeah. busy on the phone, just just about normal life. Chatting about how I got the kids to bed, and actually we were laughing <laughs> because he couldn't find um, his wedding ring, <laughs> which because he always took it off to work because he was always scared he'd get it crushed on his finger. And yeah. he was saying like, he couldn't find it. And normally he puts it on for like when he's not working. So if he's going away um, or if he like on a, on Sundays, <laughs> you yeah. put it on and he couldn't find it. And I was grabbing something from the drawer in the bathroom where he always kept it. And it was literally sitting on top of like <laughs> the case where he always keeps it. And so we were, we were joking about that, about like, I'm like, it's right here. Um, <laughs> so it was, it was like a joyful, happy conversation. Yeah. Um, and just about like, oh, I got the kids to bed, you know, all the normal. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, in that moment, my life completely changed, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Instantly. Yeah. Yeah. And what are the, what are the first steps 
that happen after your friend is in the house with you and then you're alone or the kids right there with you or they're sleeping? Um, the kids were sleeping. Um, my in-laws were in the house. Um, and then I, I remember I grabbed my phone to call my sister cause she had kind of knew what yeah. was happening that I couldn't get a hold of him. And so then she, I think it was her, she ended up calling my brothers who are, my sister lives in Kelowna. So she is not local, but my brothers are uh, fairly local. So she ended up calling them and then they came straight over. By that time, I'm trying to remember, I think it was, I think it was like one o'clock in the morning by the time we actually okay. found out. Something like that. So it was quite late. Um, yeah. And like- You have some time to protest before you have to talk to your kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, I remember like a few people coming over, trying to sleep, like how do you sleep? You can't, right? Like no. yeah. everything is not making sense. I, I think I, I don't even know if I cried in that moment. I think I was just in like complete shock. Like, of course. how do you make sense of that? Absolutely. So. Absolutely. And then was it you that talked to the kids? Yeah, it was me. I remember there was a few people over. My parents were unfortunately away on a trip in the States like a road trip yeah. and so and they were out of reception so I couldn't even get a hold of them for a few days um oh which yeah it was crazy um <laughs> but so I I remember kind of this waiting like okay the kids are going to be up soon I'm going to have to tell them and they kind of run out of bed both of them and just I remember just like going straight up to them and just being like daddy was an accident he's not coming home. Like, I, I don't even think, I don't know if there's a right way to do it, but I think I just kind of like set it to get it yeah. over with. And the band. Yeah. And they didn't really understand. Like I said, they were so young. Like Ethan, my son is, he wouldn't have been even three yet. It was September yeah. of 2018. So he was two, like almost three. So that's so yeah. young to really grasp. And then Tristan um, would have been just four. So okay, yeah, so even within that, she's still very young to process it. Yeah. So it's kind of like I remember saying that and then them knowing everyone's kind of around, but then they still were kind of like, well, he was going away. Like they knew he was going away. <laughs> so it's this like, yeah. but he's not coming back. And so I think there is that I mean, even for me, it takes forever to kind of process like, oh, he's not coming back. He's not coming yeah. back through the door. So yeah. And do you find like with the kids, it's like layers almost? Oh, where it'll yes. come out. At, yeah. And like one thing I had learned um, that like through the hospice society, they said that especially with kids, um, because their brains are developing, um, they every time they grow, like every year basically, they have to reprocess it all. Because now my kids are six and almost five. Like that is a huge difference between a, like a six-year-old brain and a four-year-old brain are very different. And so every year they are reprocessing and trying to make sense of what happened. Whereas adults, we, our brains are fully developed. So we kind of try and make sense of it, fit it in wherever it belongs. And yeah, like, yeah. yeah, we're able yeah. to compartmentalize a little bit more. It fits yeah. in a certain, yeah. Yeah, whereas for a child, it's kind of like, yeah, every year they go through it so yeah yeah then you're just holding on <laughs> for trying to 
figure out, okay, how do I walk them through this again? Yeah. Do you find that it helpful because you're able to then, you're not able to just put it aside and compartmentalize it in your brain as a second, you have to revisit it consistently with them or do you find that difficult with the kids? Um, I don't think it's been difficult. Um, I think it's challenging because if it was like just me with no kids, um, yeah, I could, yeah, I could kind of set it aside when I need to, whereas yeah. with kids, it could come up at any time. And okay. so I kind of always have to be ready or available to deal with hard questions. So at times it was challenging emotionally, I think for me, just being like, one night all of a sudden they would be losing it and missing Chase like crazy. And it was like, all oh, right. Like, not that I ever forgot, but no, of like, course you can sometimes somehow set it aside a little bit to get things done or to do whatever, but it's so unpredictable. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I think the yeah. unpredictability of it would yeah. be, would be difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what is the hardest thing for you of being a single mom? Um, I think in general, it is the doing it alone. And I don't mean that, I don't mean that in the sense that I'm totally alone. I have a lot of help, um, a lot of support. Um, our families are amazing, but, um, but it's still on me. Everything is on me, um, the middle of the night. Anytime the kids get sick in the night, it's on me. And I think that that is the hardest thing is that there is no other person there that you can kick out of bed and be like, I'm tired. You go deal with them getting up again. Yeah. And, and then I think on top of that is just like the layer of grief on top of that is, oh, I'm so tired. I don't want to deal with these kids. But then, oh, but we're, they're grieving and they need help. And so it's not like I can like... I think it's the struggle between like stay in bed, stop getting out of bed and being like, oh, maybe they really need me. Like, like the emotional pull as well. Of course. So whereas I think maybe before Chase passed away, we were a little bit like harder that way. Like too bad. <laughs> stay in bed. Like, yeah. Not, not a lot of leeway there. It's like, <laughs> of um, course. Whereas now I'm like, oh, I don't know. So, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's definitely the, it's the day to day. Even the decisions I find like making big decisions is it's on me now. Like it's, I don't have someone, I mean, I have friends and family that I can discuss things with if it's like major for wisdom or whatever, yeah. but really it comes down to me and I don't, I don't like that. I don't like the pressure of like, Oh, this is, this is on me. Like, um, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. No, that makes sense. What is the biggest, as couples, you talk about dreams, you talk about your future. Did you guys have big dreams for your futures that you, that shifted yeah. now? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yes. Um, Chase was a dreamer. He, that was him, but he was also a doer. So he wasn't just the type of person that just dreams up things and then doesn't <laughs> do anything with it. He actually put those things into action. So um, when he passed away, we were in the process of, um, buying property up in the interior and okay. his dream was to move the dairy farm up there and expand the farm to like triple the size and 
he, yeah, he had these huge, huge dreams. And so we were in the process of that. And back in uh, the May before he passed away, we had gone on a family trip. Well, it was like, it was a family vacation, but I feel like it's always, when you're a farmer, it's always <laughs> like a little bit vacation and also a little bit work, which is life. So, yeah. um, but we had like looked at a few properties up there, just kind of dreaming. And there was one in particular that we loved. And I even was like, okay, yeah, I can finally see us like maybe moving up here. Um, and so when he died, that, that dream was just gone. And I think that was one of the hardest things actually initially to deal with is that I had felt so much peace about that, like moving and okay, we're going to do this. And this is, this is what we're doing now. Like I, I've never had huge like dreams and ambitions personally ever. Like I, I was happy. Like my, I think my dream was to be like married and have kids. So I had it, I was happy to go along with his, his dreams. And so, um, I think when I had like finally jumped really on board with him and then that was gone, it was like, well, now what? Like, I don't know what to like look forward to. Like, I don't know. Yeah. So that's been a, that's been a big, I think process through these past couple of years is it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily hard to let go of that dream, but it was the fact that like, now what? Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. And then with COVID coming, <laughs> did that yeah. that threw another? Did you did you, it hit like a low for you during that season, or have you been um, able to kind of maintain? I think I would say a low. It's it's tricky to know because the first year of grief um, is a blur, and um, because I think you're kind of like in this fog of just making it through dealing with what you have to deal with. People give you a lot of grace because they know what you've been through (laughs) and people are helping lots because they know what you've been through. And then year two comes and it's kind of like, it's true. The help does slow down and people forget. And I forget, I mean, it's not like they forget it happened, but they forget in the daily day, like day to day. And so, and then of course, after a year, at least I found, you kind of start to step out of the fog a little bit and trying to make sense of things and being like, okay, like rebuild, I guess. Like, what are, what are we going to do? Like, what is my dreams or what, like you start kind of thinking these things again. And then, um, and then COVID season hit and it's (laughs) like, and now I'm stuck at home and I can't go out because I have three kids. I can't take them to stores right now. I can't. Right. Yeah. You weren't even allowed to have kids within the store. No. No. So we were, um, thankfully people were super generous about, um, there was like a few staple people that always checked in and was like, I'm going to Costco. What can I grab you? And Costco at that time was, that was a big deal. That's a big deal. Oh yeah. That's true love. That's yeah. (laughs) So I, I mean, we were, we were, cover like we we had enough we had what we needed but it was hard because um even my parents who are probably like my main support people they um my mom is a nurse (laughs) and my dad also works um in construction and so both of them were still working full-time and because they were kind of out in the public we thought it was probably best not to be seeing them and so it was yeah it was pretty um 
it was lonely. (laughs) It was, uh, I mean, thankfully we have a wonderful yard and the weather was nice at that time. So the kids did a lot of playing. So, um, but yeah, it was a weird season because I think too, when there's a pandemic and everybody is going through it, everybody. And, um, I found at least personally that everybody kind of turns inward, right? Like, cause they have yeah. to, but it's also, it was also this kind of like, but I'm still grieving. And so there's this other layer of like, I still need help. I still need these yeah. things. And now I have like limited resources. Yeah. So it Absolutely. was definitely a, a challenging season, I think, because yeah, you, you do feel kind of like extra alone in these times. Yeah. Yeah. What gets you up in the morning throughout this time? Um, what, my kids. What pushed you to move forward? <laughs> yeah. I mean, literally, like, they would wake me up in the morning. Literally. Um, yeah. yeah. I think um, getting up was actually never a problem for me, which is um, maybe odd. I was, I've heard a lot of people being like, I just couldn't get out of bed, but I'm like, it, that was not that wasn't necessarily like my issue. I think, yeah, I think mainly because of my kids, I had to parent. So it does, it kind of keeps you moving forward. You can't really get too bogged down. Yeah. So, and I think too, um, I had the space that I needed. Like if I needed help, people could take my kids and I could spend some time alone and, um, I remember too, really specifically, like at first, um, like reading my Bible a ton. It was like when Chase passed away, it just kind of like pushed me into the center of God's plan. And as someone that has always kind of been a little bit anxious and worried, which I know you relate to, yeah, I relate. Um, this, this type of thing was so out of my control that I actually felt comfort in it because mm. I didn't do this. There was nothing I could have done. It wasn't a, did I make a right choice or wrong choice? So there was no, of no like anxiety surrounding it because it was just so out of my control that it was yeah. like, well, this, this must be God's plan and not in like, Oh God is so mean that he did this, but just like, okay, he, he has a plan here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I remember, especially at first just being like, I got to, God just became so, so, so real. Like I've always believed in God. I've been a Christian for most of my life. Um, But it was like in that moment that he became like really real. (laughs) So um, I just remember like basically morning and night, like to start the day and to end the day, I would like read my Bible and it was so rich. It was such a strange, I think I even posted about it. I said, this is a really unexpected season of harvest. Because this is like, it was not, I never, first of all, I never expected my husband to die when he was 30. But I also just never realized how um, real God could be or how much, it's almost like just this greater awareness, I think. I never, if you had asked me before Chase passed away, like, how would you be if your husband died? I would be like, I would not be functioning. I would be a wreck. I, but it wasn't like that. And I think just God was so real and so present in that time. I think that was the biggest thing that kind of pulled me through those first, first few weeks, months. 
yeah. year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now in those early um, times and even maybe you've experienced it now, there's some like do's and don'ts that you've probably now learned from when somebody's grieving. Um, what are some things, because I find sometimes people don't know what to do. I've had regrets in my life where I'm like, why didn't I just show up? But you don't want to step on anybody's toes. You don't want to interfere. Yeah. So sometimes it just stops you from doing anything. What are some, um, some things that you found helpful in those early days? And then as the years have gone on in how do we support people who are grieving? Um, I think that the tricky thing is that people grieve differently. Um, mm -hmm. I know there are some people that like want to be surrounded by people. Um, I am like, I am not a public griever. So yeah. <laughs> I like to have my alone time to cry, to think, to pray. Um, I don't do that very well around others. So for me, I think some of the most helpful was like with having kids is someone to take my kids for a while so I could have that time. Um, I think on a practical sense, uh, I, I appreciated, I appreciated if people stopped by unannounced, but only if they left something <laughs> and then would leave. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, I think it also probably depends on who the person is. Um, so you kind of got to assess like, what is your relationship with this person? Because there were a lot of people that I, acquaintances that would reach out and it was, I, I personally loved the messages. I didn't always read them right away or respond to any of them, which yeah. I think is also a point to make is don't get offended if the grieving person doesn't respond um, because you just don't know where they're at at that time. So message for sure. I, I at least appreciated the messages, even if it was just a simply like, I am praying for you or you came to mind. I think it's knowing that you're still thought of, that you're not alone through it. Mm -hmm. That was... Yeah probably some of the biggest help is just even, even today, two years later, when people will message me out of the blue was like, I was thinking about you today. Just want, you know, I'm still praying like that means so much. Yeah. Um, so it's more just like the still being thought of, um, meals were definitely helpful. Um, and, um, at least, at least at first. And then eventually you're like, I kind of want my own food again. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, yeah. like, but in the, I think even then it's like, well, maybe you could like give grocery gift cards or like pick up groceries yeah. for people. Um, because eventually the kids are too, they're like not used to eating all these different foods. And then they're kind of like, okay, like, I, but yeah, no, at the same true. time you kind of need to survive. So you're like, we're grateful for all the meals. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think that, I think the biggest thing though, is just to like, even if you don't know what to say, to still reach out. Because I had someone come up to me in the school parking lot one time and was just like, I don't know what to say, but I just don't want you to think I'm not thinking about you kind of thing. And I think that that, that even just admitting, like, I don't know what to say is, yeah. is sometimes enough because of course they don't. I don't even know what to say. Like, I don't know what I'm thinking. or So, yeah. 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 And do you... Um... Like, do you like talking about Chase? Do you like when yeah, people talk about your your past and your relationship and him as a father yeah. and a husband? And 
that's yeah, helpful. Yeah, I do because I think I've, I've heard it read or read it that it's like that keeps, you're not gonna, like, don't be afraid to bring them up. You're not gonna remind them that they're dead. And it's like, it's oh, true. Like yeah, yeah. we haven't forgotten. Like it's not, <laughs> it's not like a taboo subject. At least personally, I don't find it ever has been. If someone brings up Chase, like it's, to me, it's a joy. It's, I'm grateful people think about him and remember funny stories. So it's like, don't be afraid that you're going to remind the grieving person of their <laughs> loss. Like they know. So I like that. Yes. That's, yeah. See, you're yeah. always, every time, even um, you wrote something uh, recently and I was like, ah, you said, although my life and the lives of my children are vastly different than we ever imagined, we're blessed. And you just continue to just bring like these like nuggets of truth and going like, wow, like, yeah, this isn't the life I've imagined. This wasn't the plan I had, but yet mm -hmm. even amidst this, I'm blessed. I have these moments of, and I'm sure, yeah, you've got moments that are dark, <laughs> but yeah. even in that, you're able to be able to see this hope in Christ that you're still here. You're still you still have breath <laughs> mm -hmm. and while you're on this earth. Um, how do you, um, how do you, this is your first time speaking about this publicly, is it? Or have you? Uh, no, I, well, I spoke at Chase's Celebration of Life, but yes. that's not, I mean, that is, I did speak about him, but of course it's so close to the event. It's not like, yeah. Um, and then I did speak at one of the village church women's, they had Langley North had like a Valentine's kind of thing. So yeah, I spoke at that as well. Okay. And do you feel like God um, is calling you towards this to share your story, to share your, cause you have a, I just want to encourage you. You have a beautiful way of speaking and sharing sharing your story that even though you could easily be a victim within this and and you are you didn't ask for this to happen but you could yeah. live a life that is is law or whatnot but instead you're choosing every day to choose joy to choose yeah. this blessed life um do you feel like you have you're planning <laughs> to talk about this more and use this um, yes, I think, so a little backstory is, um, even, even with Chase's celebration of life, it was like, it was no doubt to me that I needed to speak. Um, cause a, a few people had said like, if you, if you want to write something up, like you don't have to say it, someone else could read it. You don't have to do anything. Like it's totally up to you. And right away I was like, no, I have to like, not have to, as in like this pressure, but just like, no, I, I want to, I need to do this. I need to speak of like our life and, and um, even just share like Chase's like love for God and how like it impacted everything. So that was like the first major, I mean, there was over a thousand people at Chase's service. That was yeah. the first time speaking in front of that many people. And <laughs> I am not naturally a public speaker. It is not something that I am, I, I would say it's not something I'm naturally gifted in. Although mm. people now that I have spoken a couple of times, they're like, you are like, you should do this. But it yeah, is not like a natural thing to me. Like a, I shy away from that. Um, and then it was like, I think it was a couple of months after Chase passed away, Village Church did a women's conference at uh, the Bell Center. I think it was at the Bell Center. Maybe wrong. Yeah. Um, 
because everything was a blur in the first year, but I remember seeing like the women, and I think you were included, Erin, um, stand on stage and talk. And I remember even in that moment being like, maybe you'll share your story one day. And then also being like, what? Like, why am I thinking that? Like, that? Yeah. I don't like that kind of thing. But that kind of just niggling thought was there. And then um, again, Village Church, there's a theme here, um, yeah. had a women's retreat. And um, we were asked to like pick a rock and like pray and ask God for a word. And in my head, I'm like, it's going to be right. Cause I enjoy writing. I love, like, I like sharing my posts and when it comes up, like when I feel inspired. Um, and so I was like, it's going to be right. And then it was like, no, it's speak. And I'm like, mm, really? No, maybe it should be, maybe it should be right. Um, but I was like, no, it's speak. And just kind of in that moment, I'm like, I knew that I had to be faithful when it came up, when there, when opportunities came up. And, um, and actually it was, there is another time that was shortly after that, um, Avenue machinery, which is like, they do like farming equipment and stuff. We're having this, they call it a field day and they kind of display some of their equipment. Anyways, the, somehow they kind of, Chase was really new, a lot of the guys there. And, um, one of the managers, I think at the time reached out to me and was like, we're doing this, like. We're, we're kind of going to honor Chase a little bit. Would you like to say something? I feel like we have an opportunity. And I'm like, like, this is like a crowd I don't know. And so I was like, okay. I knew I had to say yeah. So <laughs> that was very short, like a not even five minute thing. But it was still that like, okay, yeah. I'm doing this. Yeah. Saying yes. Saying yeah. yes. Yeah. Walking yeah. scared, but still doing it. Yeah. And then it came, then there was another opportunity, like I said, with the village church women's like valentine's little and that was like a very much more like intimate event and there was supposed to be me and another lady speaking and then she i think she was sick or something couldn't make it last minute so i'm like it's just me now okay <laughs> but yeah so i yeah. have shared it a couple times and it's like all right well i'm listening and then yeah. and then covid so that was in february and then the covid season came of course. And shut down and i feel like even myself i kind of like retreated a little bit like haven't been posting about my story and I just kind of was like I don't know where things are at and then even uh, so then last weekend I took the opportunity to go away camping by myself and okay, and is that something that you naturally would have done before or you're learning to solitude no. okay yeah I I do like my alone time um and like my parents have taken the kids before over weekends, but this was like, I need to actually go away. And I went up to like Alouette Lake where there's not very good reception. And I did that purposely because I'm like, I need to get off my phone. I need to yeah. have no distractions and I just need to be alone and spend some time thinking and praying. And it was such a rejuvenating weekend. It was way more than I thought it would be. And it wasn't like this crazy, like, God experience necessarily, but I think it was just having this room to like breathe and think and assess where things were at. And even then I had this like thing where I'm like, I need to write again. And then the also, of course, the word speak came back and I'm like, and I think I need to have these like be willing again. And however that looks this season is like big gatherings aren't happening, but, and then that was that weekend. And then Monday you messaged me to be on your podcast. So I was like, oh, God wow. is making this clear. <laughs> yeah. I am supposed to still be doing this. Yes, I love how God is instilling in you new dreams for your future. 
in just a quick moment, your life changed dramatically forever and you could have chosen to bury yourself in a hole and die with Chase. But instead, because of the hope that you found in Christ, you have chosen life. And you are such an encouragement to me. I am so thankful that you are sharing your story. For those listening, whether you've lost somebody, whether you've lost something in your life and you're in a dark place right now, please hear this truth from Shannon. There is hope in the hurting. Shannon actually has a blog called hopeinthehurting.com and you can check it out. She um, shares her story there. And I just wanted to close by just reading one of her passages in her blog. It says, as I was walking the other day, I passed a woman who remarked, that's the perfect way to keep your hands warm. I was holding Taylor's hand with one hand and a cup of hot coffee in the other. And I'm not sure why exactly, but it had an effect on me. In that moment, and many moments since, I've become more aware just how blessed I am. The simple comment of a passerby was enough to open my eyes. How blessed am I to have a warm little hand to hold, three little people's hands to hold. How blessed am I to have a hot cup of coffee, to afford a hot cup of coffee. How blessed am I to have two strong working hands. How blessed am I that with my hands I'm able to prepare meals for a friend in need. How blessed am I that I have a home to tend to, meals to make, laundry to fold. How blessed am I. Though the most challenging, dark, and terrible season of my life, by the grace of God, I am to call myself blessed. I can proclaim that he is good, he is faithful, and he is in control. Thank you for listening to The Good, The Bad, and The Beautiful. If you're interested in homeschooling, you can follow along on my podcast, Homeschooling with Aaron Clark. Please subscribe to both podcasts, and it would mean the world to me if you could leave a five-star review. It just helps to get the word out. If you'd like to follow me in the Instagram world, you can follow me at Aaron E. Clark or on my blog at AaronEClark.com. Until next time, have a fabulous day.